stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I've never been asked to, to do jury duty. Uh, I know people who have. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if because I'm in the media, I don't know if they would just tell me to go home anyway. But I've not been asked to. And, and I got to admit, and probably I'm sure most of you who have never been asked, it's probably not something you're, you're eager to do. That the fact that you haven't received that jury dirty, duty notice isn't something you're losing sleep over. Because it's a lot to ask of people. But it's necessary. We understand that that's fundamental to our justice system, that we have a jury system, that people have the right to be tried by a jury. So how do we make sure that we are looking after the people who serve on juries? I mean, juries have been around a long time. It's strange that we're just getting around to dealing with it now. But this week, the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights has come out with 11 recommendations it released a report this week called Improving Support for Jurors in Canada. Now, some of it has to do with uh, compensation, ensuring that uh, some of the costs that people have to bear, like child care or elder care, travel, parking, these kinds of things, that we're asking people to serve on juries for weeks on end, that that be looked after. But a lot of it has to do with the mental health side of things ensuring that there is support available to jurors, ensuring that if there's a need for psychological support or counseling, that it be made available. And surprisingly, that that hasn't been the case. Uh, so one of the driving forces between, be, behind getting this issue some of the attention it deserves is someone who's been through this himself. Mark Ferrant, back in 2014, was a juror on a, a pretty gruesome murder trial in Toronto. Uh, and afterwards realized that, that he was struggling with a lot of what he saw in her during that trial, was diagnosed with PTSD. But he was left to deal with that more or less uh, on his own at great financial cost. So he and others have, have been pushing for change to try to ensure that others who serve on juries and fulfill this important duty don't have to go through them. So joining us to talk a bit more about his own battle and uh, these recommendations this week, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, the aforementioned Mark Ferret. Mark, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, your thoughts, first of all, I know it was even a victory to get this, uh, this committee to, to acknowledge that this was something that was worth exploring and then to come back with these recommendations. What do you make of it all? Well, it's it's uh, it's amazing that a, a multi-party committee um, came to a, a unanimous uh, agreement to to take on this study to begin with, and then unanimously agreed uh, with all of the recommendations from the uh, from the hearings. Um, and it was a, almost a year ago today that my friend Patrick Fleming and I went to Ottawa with uh, a collection of letters from jurors across the country, what we call the Twelve Angry Letters campaign to petition for this study. So it's amazing. It's come full circle. So I'm, I'm very pleased with the recommendations. And uh, now it's really about seeing these recommendations actioned upon. Right. And we, we see that on other issues where, you know, Commons Committee reports end up collecting dust on the shelf. And hopefully that won't be the case here. But it now falls to the federal justice minister to, to move on this, doesn't it? It does. Um, you know, the, again, the, the, the jury acts are provincial. 
so the challenge with these recommendations that they, is that they come from a federal uh, committee, um, and they're very sound and, and very reasonable recommendations that I think most Canadians would, would nod their heads about. Um, but the challenge is that uh, the Justice Minister will have to take these recommendations and champion them, which I hope she will, and speak to her provincial counterparts to say, you know, we need to evolve this uh, to make the justice system stronger and also to encourage uh, participation in the justice system because this is about making the justice system stronger, right? It's, yeah. it's about um, making sure that Canadians are confident and, and want to do jury duty. There's so many people who receive their summons and the first indication they have is, you know, how can I get out of this? And right. that's not what we want. Well, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the, the jury system has been around as long as our justice system has been around. Why, why do you think it's taken until now to start to acknowledge some of these issues? I, honestly, I, I, I wonder about that, too. And I think it's just, you know, it's it's been uh, uh, simmering below the surface for some time. And I think it just took a spark to to sort of ignite the conversation. And maybe that spark was me. Um, but, you know, it's it's, you know, sim- Going back to the Bernardo trial, where um, that that case affected the entire country and still haunts us today, whenever his name comes up in the news, and jurors in that case were uh, given access to counseling, um, but it didn't go to the next logical step, which was to remove the judicial barrier that stood between um, the juror and the judge in terms of getting access to counseling. So in Ontario, before I really started to talk about this issue, um, a judge had to issue the order for counseling to be provided. And if it wasn't done, then the juror was out of luck from the court side. So, um, you know, these are table stake recommendations. And, and, you know, they're not recommendations that should be onerous for a government to, to undertake. It, it, they really are not, uh, they don't come with a massive financial burden to the taxpayer. And I think, you know, it, it's, you know, it's your civic duty to perform jury duty, but it's not your duty to suffer as a result of it. Right. Now, I mean, there, there's still the fact that jurors are going to have to sit on gruesome murder trials. We are still going to ask people to, to immerse themselves in these horrible details day after day, week after week, and in almost isolation, certainly isolation from, from their family and, and friends. Uh, but having the support there is, is a big step forward. Do you think for you and what you went through that, that it might have made a difference in, in your situation? Certainly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't like to, you know, look in the rearview mirror and, and think like, what if, you know, and, and if this, you know, what would I be like if, if that had happened to me? It, it, you know, I have PTSD. It, it's it's who I am, and this is me going forward. And what I wanted to do was make sure that what happened to me didn't happen to anybody else. And I learned that it was happening to others, and I wasn't alone in this. And so. Uh, I'm really uh, grateful that uh, other, uh, governments across the country have made uh, uh, you know, changes to their jury rules and have provided this counseling. And, and again, it's the burden of the juror, as you said very eloquently, to sit through those gruesome and graphic details. That's, that's the job. Yeah. That's that specific duty. But you shouldn't have to live with the consequences of that when your duty is done. Well, and does this all happen after the trial? I mean, does there need to be support uh, throughout the trial as well? Well, that's an argument that uh, was raised, and I think that's one that's going to probably 
be debated uh, long after long after this because you know once a juror uh, is is no longer able because of the evidence because of what is occurring to sit uh, on the case that that person would, would likely be excused um, for good reason and and it, it then if an alternate is brought in or the, the the judge deems that they can continue to to uh, to deliberate or continue to sit with eleven jurors. That's usually what happens. So counseling counseling during a trial would be challenging because, you know, anybody would say that, you know, what's the what's the likelihood of that juror being influenced by what they're hearing in therapy, maybe? Um, so certainly after the trial, that's where it's necessary. And and again, you know, there I've, we've heard from so many people who've said, you know, after two years, I was still living with the images and I was still living with the haunted reality of, of what I sat through and I just couldn't get it to go away. Right. And and just even the process of, of realizing that you need some some help, realizing that there's something wrong. And, and I think in your situation and others where there's a very long process before you f- can come to that realization and that understanding. It's, it's true. And, and that's unfortunately, you know, um, uh, part of the, the the stigma around mental illness and, and the lack of understanding around mental illness is that, you know, we try to bury ourselves in routine and we try to bury ourselves in, um, in you know, uh, familiar activities, hoping that, that it's going to go away and not acknowledge it. And, um, you know, while we encourage people to step forward and say, you know, we're encouraging Canadians, you know, it was just mental health week, you know, to say it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to talk about those feelings. But there has to be an apparatus there to accept that person once they made that great leap forward. And that wasn't there for jurors, you know, jurors who finally said, I have to deal with this. It's, it's not going away. And, and in some cases, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just the gruesome details of, of the trial. We've heard from many jurors who have said they've lived with the anguish and the, the guilt that they feel of not being able to deliver a verdict or, or a verdict going not guilty or a mistrial or the seeming, un, um, you know, that justice wasn't delivered. And the fact that justice is delivered in court when, when a jury delivers a verdict, it just means in a not guilty plea or not guilty verdict that the facts didn't meet the statute for a conviction. But jurors live with guilt. They live with the cries of families who, who want justice. And they also live with, you know, reading about it in the media afterwards. And, and, and you know, did, did the jury get it wrong? And, and that, that hurts. Yeah. And lots of people have stepped forward and said, you know, I just couldn't live with myself. And, and that's a problem, too. Right, and it's a problem that, that jurors are on their own to deal with. And as I understand it, I mean, where you are in Ontario, unless a judge specifically orders uh, some kind of psychological support that, that, that you're left to fend for yourself. And so there's, there's a lot of barriers there to, to accessing the care you need, including some significant financial barriers. Yeah, and those barriers exist in other provinces now. Ontario introduced the juror support program uh, in 2017, largely due to mine and others lobbying. Um, and Alberta already had a, a program in place, um, and other provinces have started to follow suit. Um, so these recommendations that come from the, the, the committee, uh, 
you know, one of the, the obviously the biggest recommendation is that there, there be universal access to counseling. So a juror doesn't have to ask for it. It's there. They can access it freely. There's no time limitation on when a juror can access it. So, you know, there are some programs that say, you know, you have to access it within two months of the trial. Well, you know, frankly, some people aren't, you know, it, it hasn't hit them yet. Um, and it might not hit them for several months or maybe even a year down the road. They're finally, you know, they, 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 they've recognized that they've had enough and they have to do something about it. And also that, you know, there's no limitation to the number of sessions. So that's really up to you and the clinician, um, uh, the juror and the clinician, to, to determine how long you need. You know, does four sessions really cut it? Does eight sessions really cut it? You know, I, I don't know too many people who, you know, are talking to clinicians and solve all their problems in four meetings, right? Yeah. So why should we expect the juror to have their problem solved in four to eight meetings? Well, exactly. So uh, as we say, some uh, important proposals for change, and we'll see if uh, the politicians move on this. Uh, in the meantime, uh, folks can find you on Twitter, Canadian Jury Help, that's CDN Jury Help. Mark, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Well, thanks so much for having me, Alan. Really appreciate it. There you go, Mark Ferrant, juror reform advocate, former juror himself. Reaction to these recommendations from this Commons Committee this week. 403-974-8255 is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.